1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Appreciate you being here tonight. I see that the, the right side, my right, you're used to pastor bringing you up. So I appreciate you uh, being consistent with that. Left side, some, some stragglers in the back, not many. But uh, by and large, many of you have moved up to the front. Appreciate that. Helps me as I speak. I'm sure it helps others as well um, with this. But 1 Corinthians chapter 4 is where we'll be. I've entitled the message tonight, The Resume of a Steward. The Resume of a Steward. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 1. If you'll stand for the reading of God's Word. Once you've found it, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, or 1 Corinthians chapter 4, rather. We'll start in verse number 1. And we'll read verses 1 and 2. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Let's pray one more time. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to preach. And Lord, uh, we do pray that uh, what we learn tonight and the truths that we find here in Scripture that be applicable uh, and practical uh, to our lives. Lord, we do, uh, I do pray that you give me the right words to say. Lord, help me to stay focused and in tune with your spirit. Lord, lead me in the way that you'd have me to go, and uh, may, may everything said and done be for your glory and for your honor. We ask your name. Amen. You may be seated. I want you to imagine with me tonight that, uh, that as we read these, these words from the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth, I want you to imagine with me uh, the, the first day that you went uh, to go interview for a job. And uh, you're sitting there, and, and you're talking to your potential boss or uh, some kind of uh, interviewer, and uh, they're asking you questions, and they're, they're telling you the responsibilities and all the different things that are, are with your job. And uh, you have in your hand a special paper that represents you. And that's your resume. And uh, they may sit with you, and they may talk with you, but at the end of the day, one of the most uh, important documents you're going to give them is that of a resume. It tells who you are. It tells what, uh, how, what you think about yourself. It tells about your qualifications. It tells you uh, about some of your experiences. And in a nutshell, for your uh, potential employer, um, it tells them who you are. And the Apostle Paul tonight, he's, he's writing to the church in Corinth, and he says uh, to, to this church, he's almost laying out a good resume, a good example of what a Christian should be. He's helping us to see tonight that uh, all of us, every single one of us, are stewards of the gospel. We are stewards of the gospel. And so what does this mean? What does being a steward of the gospel mean? Well, I believe tonight as we look at this, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, let a man so account of us as of the mysteries of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. As we look at this, I want us to see three elements to everyone's resume that will help us to be better, more equipped stewards of the gospel. So number one, I want us to see tonight the responsibilities. Responsibilities. You're sitting down and and uh, no doubt, as you're preparing for a job, as you're looking to see how you're going to move forward in your life, 
you, you first and foremost may go on Facebook and look at different jobs. You may go to a newspaper if they still do that. Uh, you may go on uh, some kind of job website to find where the openings are. You might go door to door and just knock on businesses' doors. Hey, are you hiring? And as you walk into that business, you're going to ask them the question, well, what are you hiring for? Right? Have you ever done that? You walk into business and you ask them, hey, what do you want to do? And maybe it's your first job. And so they, they want to hire you as a janitor. Or you go somewhere else and they, they want to hire you as, as a secretary or uh, I guess the technical word is an administrative assistant, right? And, uh, you'll, and, and so you have these, these job titles. Well, the job title that the Apostle Paul is laying out to us tonight is that we are ministers of Christ. Every saved person, every person that has received the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is a steward. It's something you're already enrolled in. Whether you like it or not, you are enrolled in it. You are a minister of Christ. Matthew chapter 28, verse number 19 and 20, familiar passage. Speaking to his disciples, those who have received him as his personal Lord and Savior. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world." Christ's last command ought to be our first priority. We put priorities in, in fixing our vehicles. We put priorities in, in going to work. We put priorities in being with family. And I'm all about that. All of those things are important. But the, sometimes when, when our, our schedule starts to fill up and uh, we get behind on some things, the, uh, the, the responsibilities that get put on the, the chopping block are usually the things that last for all of eternity. And that is, uh, that is uh, my challenge for tonight. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8 says this, But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Jude chapter 1, or Jude 3 rather, it says, uh, Beloved, when I give all diligence to write unto you this common salvation, it was necessary for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Jude, as he's talking about this, and he's saying, hey, listen, uh, Christian, young person, old person, uh, wherever you are in your life, you are to earnestly contend for the faith. The devil is at work. He is trying to uh, deceive others. He's trying to give false doctrine to those. And he's, uh, he's working 24-7, uh, 365 days a week uh, to try to turn this world upside down, uh, to make uh, chaos and confusion. And, and Jude's saying, hey, listen, the, the gospel of Christ was once delivered. It was once delivered. When Jesus Christ came, He paved the way. He showed that, that uh, we're all sinners in need of a Savior. No man cometh unto the Father but by Him. And so He says, hey, it was once delivered unto the saints. So if we all drop the ball, if we all stop failing to, to pass on these truths to the next generation, Christianity becomes extinct. It's an important thing that we not let this area of stewardship and being a minister of Christ drop through the cracks. It rests upon our shoulders. And so we, we see this today that, that as, as Jude says, we are to contend for the faith. It is an action word. It is something that we need to be doing. It's not passive. 
We don't just let, there's, there's a, a doctrine going around, and it's a lifestyle evangelism. And if people just ask me what's different about me, then I'll share it. But the Bible says that we need to go, not wait. Don't let others dictate whether you're going to share the gospel. You need to go. God's given you the command. It's time to move forward in that area. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And so, as we evaluate our life tonight, we need to look at this job title. We are ministers of Christ. I remember one of my first jobs. I'll talk about my first job here in just a little bit. But uh, one of my jobs, I was working for a church when I was in high school. And uh, I was just a simple janitor, right? And, uh, and I, I helped mop the floors, buff the floors, uh, clean the toilets, all those great things. And uh, when I walked the, the halls of high school, you know, I'd look around and I'd say, I cleaned that. And I took pride in my work. And uh, short may not have been a big thing, may not have been a big deal. And uh, some uh, would laugh and, and scorn and say, you clean toilets, wow, look at you. You know, I flip burgers, uh, you know, and, uh, and so... Uh, I took pride in that. And I realized that, hey, if, if I don't clean these toilets, if somebody comes in on Sunday, that's going to give a representation, right? Uh, it's, it's going to, to affect somebody. And so I took pride in my work. I tried to let, not let too many things go between the cracks and, and uh, really tried to focus on the details. And so you and I, if we are ministers in Christ, we ought to, hey, we ought to take pride in that. Our ministry is not our ministry. We are ministers... Of Christ. It's Christ's ministry. What a high calling that is. We're not given a task from Pastor Lejeune. You're not given a, a task from Pastor Andrew. You're not given a task by your neighbor or by your, your spouse. You are given a task, a job title, a responsibility from Christ on high. And it's something that he paid his precious blood for. This message that we uh, have. And so, uh, as we think about this job title, we then must think of what comes with this job title. What that is, stewardship, as the Bible says, that we are stewards of the mysteries of God. What does stewardship mean? It means being given something uh, to share or to manage. So God has given us this. He's given us this great mystery. We're going to talk about the mysteries of God, the gospel of God. The mystery is something that is previously unknown or otherwise unknowable. It's the revelation of God. It's Genesis to Revelation, what you have on your, on your lap. You are to take this because before the Bible was written, there was no way to know uh, 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 specifically about God. There was no way to learn of salvation apart from his written word. And he came and he, he delivered this to us. And so we are to steward the mysteries of God. And so uh, Romans chapter 16, Romans chapter 16, verse number 25 says this. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began but now is made manifest by, his, by the scripture of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. And so what one time was a secret what one time was uh, put away and, and, and not shared is now open up to us. We have a pastor that opens it up every Sunday and Wednesday. And, and I hope that you open it up every week and you cherish the mystery of God. You get to learn about Him. 
It's the gateway of understanding our great Savior, understanding the creation of the world, understanding how each and every one of us are supposed to live on a daily basis. The first job I ever had, the very first job I ever had, was that of a newspaper boy. And uh, I, was, I was probably in uh, just about middle school or so, and uh, maybe even maybe uh, fourth or fifth grade. And uh, I, I remember seeing in a newspaper, help wanted, delivery boy, and uh, newspaper delivery boy. And I submitted my resume that probably just had my name on it, honestly, because what experience do I have, right? What qualifications do I have? I was just a willing vessel. I was just willing to do it. I was willing to get my $5 a week or whatever it was. And, uh, and lo and behold, they gave it to me, and uh, I was real excited, and they, they told me what my requirements were, what the expectations were. And, uh, and every Wednesday, they would come, and they would drop a giant stack of newspapers right on my door. And it was my job to take that, take the little piece of plastic, fold the, the newspaper, stuff it in there. And I did that for probably about 500 newspapers, and I'd put them in my car, uh, my parents' car, rather, and, uh, and, and sometimes they would drive me, and then when the weather was nice, they would say, you get on your bike, and you bike, and uh, you get those newspapers out there. I got the fling down. It was great. I loved doing it, and uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun, and, and so I would go, and I was responsible, and, um, and, and, and they, they left those papers in my care. Now, those papers had a lot of different information on it. They had some obituaries. They had, um, they had some uh, job opportunities. They had, uh, the, you know, the front page was nothing major, but usually a community event or, or something that had hit headlines in the area. And, um, and it was my job to take that and to give it to others. Now, I could take that newspaper and I could just leave it at my house, and I'm sure probably nobody would realize that I was, I was doing that. But I realized that, hey, I have a responsibility. I've been given these papers. I could do anything I want with them. I need to do what my employer wants me to do. And so I would go, and I would take uh, the responsibility of going out and doing that. And, and let me tell you this. As I would go, there would be some people there like, I don't even want to subscribe to this thing. It was a local paper, the town talk, and, and um, I would be, I'd be throwing the papers out there. And every once in a while, somebody would say, would you stop delivering this? I don't want this. This is trash. Can I tell you, sometimes we get the same thing when we give the gospel. Right? You know what? That doesn't mean we just stop delivering all the newspapers. Oh, somebody hurt my feelings. Somebody doesn't want this. I guess everybody just doesn't want it. Aren't you glad somebody delivered the gospel to you? It's a life-changing thing. And so think right now, perhaps there's somebody that's hoping... Somebody that wants the gospel to be given to them. So it's our responsibility to go and follow through and do the task, however great or however small. And so we've been, giving, uh, we've been given, rather, the responsibilities. The responsibility of the gospel rests upon us to give to others. So what is the requirements of this? We find this in verse number 2. Moreover, it's required in stewards, since we are, are stewards of this great gospel, uh, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. God could have said anything. He could have said, in being a steward, you must have good eloquence. Or in being a good steward, you must serve this many hours. In some cults, they get involved in that. 
they, they, you'll see them sometimes. They'll go door to door, soul winning, or what we would think of maybe soul winning. Uh, of course, they're not. They're giving a, a false uh, doctrine that is leading souls to an eternal hell. But uh, they believe that uh, my obedience to God is based upon how many hours I do that. And so you'll see them, and they'll kind of shuffle their feet. And they'll just kind of drag themselves to the door. Oh, nobody answered. And then walk all the way back. And they'll try to log their hours because they, it's all about the hours. And uh, so, but, uh, but, but God has not said that. Don't say punch your time clock from 9 to 5 every day and then you're done. He says, what I expect from the ministers of Christ, what I expect with the stewards of the gospel is faithfulness. There are two elements to faithfulness. Longevity and commitment to the task. Longevity and commitment to the task. We live in a society today of, of, of unfaithfulness. You could see this in, in our employment statistics. I, I drew some of these. Of, of the 115 million people who are employed in the U.S., the average absence rate was 2.9 days per year in 2018. You may say, well, that's not a big deal. I'm sure I probably fall in this category, 2.9 days absent per year. Um, That's not including vacation days. It's really just being sick or just determining you're not going to show up to work. But in addition, in 2017, Career Builder study revealed that 19% of employees show up late to work at least once a month. Okay, well, how does that play out? Businesses lose over, they say that businesses lose over $84 billion each year to absenteeism. $84 $84 billion. Traffic is the most common culprit for lateness. According to this, this uh, data that's been taken, nearly half of those surveyed said traffic is the reason they can't make it to work on time. Additionally, 35% blame their tardiness on oversleeping, and 26% said uh, it is due to bad weather. Being too tired or getting out of bed, procrastinating were among some of the most common reasons employees relate to work. Employees are typically... Lenient uh, if a worker is late, but there can be consequences for habitual uh, attendance problems. Although more than half employees expect their staff to be there uh, on time every day, many organizers, uh, organizations are willing to overlook occasional tardiness. Nearly 30% of the employers surveyed have no problem with a, uh, a rare late uh, arrival uh, if it doesn't blame uh, become a pattern. And 18% don't care what time their employee arrives if they can still get their work done. But some employees have stricter policies. More than 40% of the organizations surveyed have fired someone for being late. In fact, uh, it's most common reason employees. It's the most common reason that employers uh, employees rather are fired. Another 22% of employers have fired an employee for calling in sick for a fake excuse, according to this data. But uh, most employees, 70%, are, uh, are responsible enough to make up the time when they do show up late. I remember I was interviewing for a job when I came back from college. I believe it was my sophomore year. And I was hoping to jump into UPS. But Kyle just slipped out. Uh, he works for UPS. And uh, good to see him here tonight. But uh, I remember I was going to get a summer job at UPS. And I had to wake up probably around 2, 3 o'clock and uh, drive just about 45 minutes to Westchester, Pennsylvania, where they have a big distribution center. And I, I set up the appointment and got up really early in the morning before the sun rose and, and uh, drove all the way down there and set up this appointment. 
and I'm speaking to them, and in the middle of my interview, I, I see this group of, of folks that are workers there, and they're kind of just murmuring amongst themselves and not knowing what to do, and I, I couldn't help but, but kind of keep drawing my attention to what was going on, the distraction that's taking place in the hallway. And I'm sitting there at this big table, and, and finally the, the person that was interviewing me and another person stood up and went out to the, to the hallway and said, can we help you? You're kind of distracting us. And, and uh, this group of employees came in, and they said, we just had two people that just decided they're not going to show up today. And so we have all these trucks that uh, need to be filled, and, and we don't know what to do. We just hired these, these, these folks just two weeks ago. And now they're not showing up to work just because they don't want to wake up early, just because they don't want to be here. And I'm sitting there saying, hire me, hire me, come on, come on, let's go, I'll be here, I'll be here. And, uh, and so uh, that was a lesson to me right then and there, that uh, we live in an unfaithful society. You never know, uh, is somebody really going to show up to work? Are they, are they going to do their best? Are they going to uh, be a part of the task and taking uh, the commitment there? We also see this in divorce statistics in America. Almost for 50% of all marriages in the United States will end divorce or separation. Researchers estimate that 41% of all marriages worldwide will end in divorce. 60% of second marriages will end in divorce. 73% of all third marriages will end in divorce. And here's some of the reasons that they say uh, with the percentages here. Number one, lack of commitment. 73% divorces end because of lack of commitment. 56% end because of Argue, they argue too much. Uh, 55% say uh, infidelity, being unfaithful to a spouse. 46% say this, uh, marry too young. 45% unrealistic expectations, lack of equality in the relationship, lack of participate, uh, participation uh, for marriage, and domestic violence or abuse is 25%. But we see 55% infidelity. Let me tell you this, faithfulness is considered in longevity, it's considered in commitment to the task or to a vow. You may want to write this quote down, the the test results for a life of faithfulness will never be published until the end. The test results from a life of faithfulness will never be published until the end. You know, I may live and and I I pray this, that, that my wife and I will be married for 10 years. And you might say, well, Pastor Andrew, that's being faithful. And I may hit the 20-year mark, the 30-year mark, the 40-year mark. And you may say for each of those, wow, that's great. You're faithful. You're being faithful to your wife. You're, 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 you're uh, making it to that level. That's an exciting thing. But let's say I get to the 45th year of marriage and I'm 95 years old. Okay? And I decide one day it's done. I'm going to go, I'm going to find a younger woman, I'm going to find somebody, uh, somebody else. I may have been married for 45 years, but would you classify me as faithful? In the end, you wouldn't. You would say you were unfaithful. And so what's important about faithfulness is it's not just the here and now, but it's what's going to happen. It's the longevity. It's getting to that end point. And I'm thankful that, that while we have statistics and while we have examples here on this earth for the negative, we have an example for a positive. And that is ultimately Christ. Christ gave us the supreme example of what faithfulness is. In his obedience, Philippians chapter 2. Turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, we'll look at verse number 5. Philippians 2, 
Verse number 5, and the Apostle Paul writes, is, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It's a command. Hey, Christian, have this mind, this same mindset of Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death the cross. We see the longevity that when Christ came, He didn't give up halfway. He was obedient from a manger to a cross. From a manger to a tomb. He was faithful all the way through and He completed the task at hand. He didn't get off track. You look at His ministry, a lot of times you'll, you'll hear Him say, no, my hour has not yet come. No, I'm focusing on this. I'm focusing on the cross. I need to fulfill the work of what my Father has sent me to do. And so he was faithful in his, in his longevity. He was faithful at the task at hand. He was obedient to it. Are you as obedient to giving the gospel as Christ was getting to the cross? We also see that not only was he a great example in his obedience, but in his attributes. Each and every day we still see his example. Malachi chapter 3 verse number 6 says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. I praise God that we serve a God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many times have you worked with somebody and they come into work and you wonder, is this a good day for them? Can I ask for this raise today? Or are they going to blow up on me? Right? Can I ask them to help me with this task? Or are they just going to, Why are you asking me? It's too early! Right? You ever work with somebody like that? Maybe some of you in here are like that. I don't know. I know I'm like that. Don't, give me, don't come to me before coffee. Amen? How many of you are with me? Come to me before coffee. But uh, it doesn't matter whether the Lord had coffee or not. He's the same. Yesterday, today, forever. When God, when God says that He is love, He is always love. When God says that He is holy, He's always holy. When God says that He is just and right, He is always just. He is always right. Isaiah chapter 59, verse number 1 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither His ear heavy that it cannot hear. I praise God, it doesn't matter where you are, God is willing to hear your prayers. He's willing to save the lost. You don't have to check your watch and say, well, you can only get saved in an hour. That's the only time God's going to hear your prayer. No, any time. Come boldly before the throne of grace. Praise God for it. We serve the same God yesterday, for today, and forever. There's a great argument going around about God's greatest attribute. and I think every Baptist preacher has an opinion on that. And I think holiness is right up there. But I think ultimately, God's faithfulness is wrapped all around that. God is always what He says He is. So praise the Lord for that. So then, finally, we we not only see the requirements and the responsibility that comes with this job title, but we see who the boss is going to be, the rulers. Who is the boss? Who do we report to? If we're stewards and we've been given this task and we're to perform it, Will we have evaluations? When will it take place? Well, the Apostle Paul continues on. He says in in 1 Corinthians 4, verse number 3, But with me it is very small thing that I should be judged of you, 
or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not mine own self, for I know nothing but uh, by myself. Yet I am not hereby justified, but he that judges, judgeth me is the Lord. And so we see three potential bosses that, uh, that the Apostle Paul lays out. And he says, first off, if you're standing in a courtroom, the first court you'll stand before is, is the opinion of others. Right? You'll have others judge you. You'll have others try to tell you you're not doing it right, you're not uh, doing it enough, or, or you're off track. And, and the Apostle Paul says that it's a small thing, that somebody would judge him, or that he would judge others. But I, I believe today that it, it, he's not saying necessarily that it's small in of itself, but small ultimately in the courtrooms that we see. It, it's not just the others, it's, it's yourself, it's the Lord. And so in comparison to the Lord's courtroom, and one day we will stand before the Lord, it's a small thing. We'll see others that maybe encourage us or help us and, and try to, to get us back on track, and I praise God for it. But, um, but, but the opinion of others or the, the judgment of others is so small. So that's not who we should live for ultimately. While we do give an account and we are testimonies and witnesses to our community, ultimately our boss is not others. But another courtroom that the Apostle Paul mentions is that of yourself. That of yourself or your conscience. We've talked much about the conscience and how uh, sometimes that uh, it pricks your heart when you start to do wrong or you know that you're supposed to be at a certain place at a certain time and uh, you're, it's bothering you. And you're wondering, why? Why am I doing this? Why, why did I do this? I made a mistake. And sometimes the hardest judge can be ourself. We don't give us the appropriate uh, grace and mercy that we need. And, and so there's an imbalance there. Others can have a skewed vision of who we are. We can have a skewed vision of who we are. But ultimately, the greatest courtroom, out of all the courtrooms we'll see, the greatest boss that we serve each and every day is that of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who I mentioned earlier, he's just and right. His opinion, his perspective is never off. He knows exactly the balance in between mercy and truth. And sometimes we ourselves become so fixated on giving truth. They need truth here and now. When in reality, they need some grace. The Bible says we are to speak the truth, but speak it in love. And sometimes we're so gracious and we become so passive that we're, we don't even care. We oh, Go right ahead. Go do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're living in sin and they're getting involved in things that they shouldn't be. And so, but it's God again that gives us the example that in His courtroom that He sees everything. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse number seven says this, but we walk by faith and not sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent we may be accepted of Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. One day our boss is going to call us to his office. And he's going to say, "Did you do the one priority I put on your path? Did you take that one responsibility and do it to the best of your ability?" And it continues on that every one of you everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Will you be faithful in doing the good thing, the right thing, the thing that, that is the priority in our life? 
We don't, we don't just see the boss. Who do we report to in our life ultimately? But we see how the Lord, the supreme boss, has given us a benchmark. The benchmark. How will He judge us? As we stand before Him, and as we look and, and share, hey, this is what I did. We give that quarterly report, or perhaps in this case it would be the end report. Right? And we share everything. There's no room for adjustment at this point. It's done. It's in the books. We're going to give it to them. We're going to give all the, the statistics. We're going to give the surveys. We're going to give a full financial report of everything that we've done. And we're showing it to Him. How will He look at it? How will He judge our effectiveness in the workplace? Well, I go back to verse number 2. Moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And I mentioned this just a little bit ago. It doesn't matter how eloquent you are. It doesn't matter how talented you are. Those aren't requirements, my friend. If that were so, then, then I, I wouldn't be holding the Gospel. I wouldn't be a minister of Christ. Many of you in here are, are talented and you have ability to, to lead people and you uh, have great eloquence and you can break down a truth so easily and, and some of you can speak other languages and some of you can, can have such great uh, authority and, and, and wisdom and all these different things. Uh, but, but those aren't requirements. The requirement that you will be judged on, the benchmark of whether you did your job well or you didn't do your job well is determined on your faithfulness. So let's make this practical in closing. In about 10 days, we're going to have Open House Sunday. How are you stewarding your time between now and Open House Sunday to see souls in this building hear the gospel? How are you stewarding your time beyond that? Does it bother you when you go to a restaurant and you don't have tracks in your pocket? And I'm preaching to myself right now. Right? All of us need to take that as the, the, the priority. And we can judge ourselves. We can have others judge us. I could stand up here next ten minutes and guilt trip all of us. Get us on our knees. We need to get tracks. Stand at the door. You're not leaving until you get tracks. But ultimately, what we just heard was from the Word of God. Not my words. I try to stay very close to Scripture tonight. God wants us to be faithful. Day in, day out. There's no break in my marriage. There's no break in your marriage. Right? It's a commitment. Same with the gospel. Take it. Bear it. Be proud of it. Some may scoff. Some may scorn. Some may say, get out of my face. I don't want anything to do with that. Find somebody this week and you will say, I stewarded my opportunities. Do the best that you can. Let me say this just in closing, okay? Don't, don't just leave... Okay, sometimes we, we correlate giving a track is giving the gospel. And I think there is some value, of course, to giving a track, right? It's the seed. But we are called not to go and give out tracks. We're called to go and preach the gospel. 
And again, you might say, well, I'm not eloquent. I, I don't know all this stuff. It doesn't matter. Do you understand the gospel? Are you saved yourself? Then take what you've heard, what you've learned. And it may not be everything. You may not know all the answers to life's most hard questions, right? But take what you know and give it to somebody else. And when you don't know the answers, don't be ashamed to say, you know what, I don't know. Let me go back and study it out. Why? Because I am a steward of the mysteries of God. I am a steward of God's word. And so I'm going to take that as an opportunity to go back in and to look it over some more, find the answers, and then meet with that person again and say, here's the answer to your question according to God's word. We have other opportunities that you can get involved. We have a Great Commission Saturday. And just because you're not here for Great Commission Saturday doesn't mean you're not, you're not a steward, you're not faithful, right? I understand, but, but it goes beyond that. It goes beyond the 10 to 12. You could be coming to Great Commission Saturday every Saturday for the rest of your life, and you could be a poor steward of the gospel. You understand what I'm saying? Right? You could have divine appointments that come to you at your workplace. You could have a neighbor that's been knocking on your door time and time again, or you're knocking on your neighbor's door, and, and you just talk about football, but you never get to the gospel. Right? Sometimes we're better stewards at, at talking about football or, or sports. We are talking about the gospel. And so it is that we need to take the gospel these next few weeks and beyond that for the rest of our life and be faithful. We've been given a great gift. I was given 25-cent newspapers. And when it rained, I would double-bag them, I would protect them, and I would still go out there day in, day out, chuck those papers out to those folks around my house. Here's your newspaper, here's your newspaper. We've been given something that was paid for by Christ's blood himself. The Son of God came and died on the cross for your sins and for mine. Sometimes we don't, we don't see the realization of that. One day we will. Just I, don't, I can't fathom that. Let's be stewards of the mysteries of God. Let's be stewards of the gospel. Let's go our way this week. In closing, I want to, I want to think of this song, this last song. It came to my heart this afternoon as I was uh, putting some of the finishing touches on this. It's, I wonder, have I done my best for Jesus? I wonder, have I done my best for Jesus? Let me read this to you. I wonder, have I done my best for Jesus who died upon the cruel tree to think of his great sacrifice at Calvary? I know my Lord expects the best from me. How many are the loss that I have lifted? How many are the chains I have helped to free? I wonder, have I done my best for Jesus when He has done so much for me? The hours that I have wasted are so many. The hours I spent for Christ so few. Because of my lack of love for Jesus, I wonder if His heart is broken too. I wonder, have I cared enough for others or have I let uh, them die alone? might have helped uh, wander to the Savior, the seed of precious life I might have sown. No longer will I stay within the valley, I climb to mountain heights above. The world is dying now from want of, of someone to tell them of the Savior's matchless love. How many are the lost that I have lifted? How many are the chains I helped to free? I wonder, have I done my best for Jesus when He has done so much for me? Don't let anybody guilt trip you into giving the gospel. Don't let yourself guilt trip you into giving the gospel. 
May Christ's love and his example empower us and be a drive in us that we give the gospel to somebody today, tomorrow, this week. Let's not leave here without getting some business with the Lord. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And We don't need the piano tonight. But I want you to think of somebody right now. Make a plan. Maybe you might say this, Lord, you've given me some opportunities this week, some divine appointments at the gas pump, some opportunities at a restaurant, person asked me at work, and I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. Lord, forgive me in areas that I haven't stewarded. Help me to get back on the path of being a faithful steward of your gospel. Maybe you say this, Lord, I, I, I haven't caught any, any, any opportunities as of late. I haven't had anybody come across my path. But Lord, I pray that this week... Lord, I'll make a promise to you. You put somebody in my path. Lord, I'm going to give them the gospel. I hope that's your prayer. I hope you say, Lord, help me to be more soul conscious. Help me to have more compassion for the lost. Help me to see the realization of the souls that will one day spend eternity in hell. Let His love for us propel us to love others. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this night. Lord, we thank you for uh, your word and, Lord, how it's spoken to me. And, and, Lord, I want to be a good steward of these next few days specifically. But, Lord, I want to be a good steward for the rest of my life. Help me not to fall short. Help me not to get caught up in other agendas. And be so focused on other tasks that I forget the supreme mission, the great commission of going, preaching the gospel to every creature. Lord, I pray that you'll forgive us of our apathy, our contentment, and Lord, help us to follow you, serve you. And Lord, as a result of our obedience and our trust and faith in you, Lord, may we see a great harvest on this property for Open House Sunday. Lord, we are so thankful for how you've already blessed our church in, in seeing uh, 10, 15 folks saved a few Sundays ago. Lord, we want to go back and we want to follow up with that because, that, Lord, we need to steward those souls. Steward the folks that came in. So, Lord, I pray that you give us fruit again, but fruit that remains. And, Lord, help us to be a part in your harvest, Lord. We ask this in your name. Amen.